All right. On our last Bible study, I started a, a new series uh, on the uh, the seven mysteries, and uh, and so today we're going to continue on with that. And uh, last week we we looked at um, the mystery of godliness, you no, know, or uh, you know God manifest in the flesh. Okay, so today we're going to look at Christ in you. Right, Christ in you. So go to uh, go to Colossians chapter one. Colossians chapter one, and we'll read verses twenty-five to twenty-nine. Colossians chapter 1, verses 25 to 29. Starting in verse 25, the King James Bible says this, Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. And by the way, this is the Apostle Paul speaking here. Even the mystery which had been hid from ages and from generations but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. And then verse 29, Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. Right? So, notice verse 27 there. This mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you so notice here Christ in you is among the Gentiles amen it is among the Gentiles All right, so this mystery is not involved in any way with Israel. No man in the Old Testament had Jesus Christ dwelling inside of them permanently. All right? They they had the spirit of Christ, but this spirit did not give them uh, knowledge of a risen Savior. You know, knowledge of a risen Savior, you know, dwelling inside of them. Right? And they could 
they could lose the Holy Spirit, right? In the uh, in the Old Testament. Okay, look at uh, Psalms fifty-one eleven. Psalms fifty-one eleven. Psalms 51.11 says, Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. So in the Old Testament, they could lose the Holy Spirit. Now look at 1 Samuel 16.14. First Samuel sixteen fourteen. But the Spirit of the Lord, notice S is capitalized, departed from Saul, and evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. So, those in the Old Testament could lose the Holy Spirit. Now, the, the mystery here is Christ living in a saved man a saved person's wicked vessel how can you comprehend that how can you explain it a sinless man living inside of a sinner You can't explain it. And that is why it is a mystery. Now, even though a saved person has Christ living inside of them, there is still sin, rebellion, hatred, envy, that's still inside just because a person is saved and has that that new person that new man living inside of them does not mean that the old nature goes away it does not leave So, each day of our lives, after salvation, 
We are still living with that old man. That's the flesh. You need God's grace to deal with that old man. Under our own strength, we cannot do it. You know, a saved person, you know, those that have put their faith and trust in Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection, they can do the exact same things that an unsaved person can. So, look at Romans 8. Romans 8, and uh, we will start in... Verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Now, a lot of times people will stop right there. Now, there is no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. But there is no condemnation of going to hell for a saved person. But if a person goes out, a saved person, they go out and they commit a crime, God forbid... There could be some legal condemnation. So we can't quit in the first part of verse 1. We got to keep reading it. Okay, so let's, let's do that. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit you see that so we should be walking after the spirit capital S not this flesh this flesh is wicked and it's condemned to the ground You know, for, for a person, um, we have a trinity, just as God is a trinity. You know, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Man is a trinity also, body, soul, spirit. But the problem is with an unsaved person, 
their spirit is dead. Right? And it needs to be made alive. Okay, so now once a person is saved, you know, they put their faith and trust in Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection, the Holy Spirit comes inside of them and baptizes them into the body of Christ and performs a spiritual surgery on that person. He cuts away the soul from the flesh so that the soul does not suffer the same consequences as the flesh. So now, once that surgery is done, that person is made free from sin. Now a saved person, they go out, you know, they uh, commit a sin. It's not them doing it. It's not them sinning. It is their flesh. The natural man. Right? The flesh is the one that's sinning. That new man that's inside of a saved person cannot sin because it's from God. So we are to walk after the spirit and not the flesh. So now once a person, an unsaved person, once they are, are saved, then they are now complete in Christ. Alright, look at uh, Colossians chapter 2. And uh, Colossians chapter 2, and we'll start in verse 8. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions of men. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of traditions of men in the church today. After the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Now, pay attention to this in verse 10. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. So once that spirit of, that dead spirit, once it uh, is made alive, it's quickened, that person is no longer two-thirds man. Complete. That spirit is made alive. Now, let's read verses 11 and 12 because I want you to see the, the, uh, the baptism, uh, the Holy Spirit baptism and the, the circumcision made without hands. So, verse 11. In whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh, 
by the circumcision of Christ. Verse 12. Buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. Amen? So, just because we are complete in Christ, it does not mean whatsoever that we will not sin or will not struggle with sin. To the contrary. You know, once a person gets saved, that's when the troubles begin. Before a person gets saved, they only have that old sinful flesh. After the image of Adam. So, you know, they, they commit a sin right, and uh, they will try to justify it. It doesn't bother them. They say things like, well, you know, everybody's doing it. That's not going to hurt anything. Just one time. It's all right. But now after salvation, that person's conscious or conscience should be bothered. Now when tempted to sin, that that uh, that flesh uh, it's it's okay. You'll you'll enjoy this. You know, God's a God of love. He understands. But then the new man inside of you says, it's not okay. You will not enjoy this. This does not bring glory to the Lord. So this is what is called spiritual warfare. All right, we are in a tug of war. You got that, that old nature pulling you this way. You got the new man inside of you pulling you this way. So you got to make a choice. Ephesians 6.12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Brother Hugh Pyle used to say, the resident 
should be president and the border should be boss. Christ should be in charge of us, not us being in charge of ourselves. So, I have some questions here that we should ask ourselves before we do something. And I'm going to share those six questions with you. Number one, does what I'm about to do please God? Number two, would I like for the Lord to find me doing this when he returns? Number three, can I ask the Lord's blessing on it? Number four, does it violate my conscience? Number five, would it cause a weak Christian to stumble? Number six, would it cause an unsaved person to deny the gospel? Those are some questions that we should be asking ourselves before we do something. Alright, so while we're on the topic of spiritual warfare, it's very important that we know what the whole armor of God is and how to use it. Right? Because, you know, when we got saved, we enlisted in the Lord's army. Amen? We're soldiers of the Lord. And soldiers never go into battle without their weapons and armor. Amen? So, Let's look at Ephesians chapter 6. And um, let's start in verse 10. And we'll go to verse 20. And let me write this up here. Whole armor of God. All right. Starting in verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. No wiles are tricks. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rules of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about 
with truth. Amen. And having on the breastplate of righteousness. Verse 15. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with, with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, the utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Mystery of the gospel. Verse 20. For which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So number one, having your loins girt about with truth. Alright. That is the belt of truth. A belt holds everything together. So now, what is truth? Jesus Christ is truth. John 14, 6. And Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me. God's word is truth. John 17, 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Also, every morning that the Lord wakes us up, gives us another day, ask the Lord to help you to be truthful that day. No masks. Amen. Stand on God's word. And then. Number two. The breastplate of righteousness. Page 614. Stand therefore having your loins gird about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. So a breastplate, it protects the heart. 
So notice that the Bible says, have on. So that means, wear it. Don't leave it anywhere. Don't leave it in your closet anywhere. Wear it. You know, a lot of people, somebody comes to them for advice. Their response, a lot of times, is, well, what does your heart tell you? Just follow your heart. But the heart, the heart is wicked. It's deceitful. So we have to keep our hearts with all diligence for out of it, the issues of life. So, we don't, or we shouldn't, shouldn't follow our hearts. We are to lead our heart. Amen? So, breastplate of righteousness. Whose righteousness do we need? It's not our own righteousness. We need the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.21 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he hath made him to be sin for us. That's Jesus Christ. Who knew no sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You see that? Christ became sin for us. Who knew no sin. He died a cruel, horrible death on that cross. Was buried, rose again the third day. For us. He took on our sins on his shoulders also. Our sins were imputed to him on that cross. Now, a person puts their faith and trust in Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. 
God's righteousness through Jesus Christ is imputed to that person. We need the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. So again, Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Protect your heart. Lead your heart. And also every morning, ask the Lord to protect your heart. Amen. And then, number three. Feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Ephesians 6.15 Ephesians 6.15, stand therefore, having your, or 15, uh, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Here we see shoes. I like to call them combat boots. You know, in, um, in the Navy, we wore boots. And they had steel toe. They were steel toe boots. So make sure that you have your combat boots on. You know, because what they do is they protect your feet. And we Christians, we need our feet to go uh, street preaching, uh, pass out tracts, uh, visit the, the, the sick in, in church, pray for them, and, and, and whatever. We will not be able to do that if we don't have our feet. Romans 10.15 says, And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. So, wherever we go, preparation. Wherever we go, bring tracks with you, a Bible, at, at, at least a New Testament, pen, paper, because you never know 
You never know what God is going to do. Where he's going to bring you. You know, along the, the main highway here, there's, there's uh, some hospitals, a couple hospitals. You know, and you know, you we could be walking out there, you know, and and pass by, you know, one of these hospitals or something, and then you you pass by and you think, huh? Well, maybe I just go go talk to some of these patients and pray for them, and witness to them. You know, you never know. So we have to be prepared, right? Put on those combat boots, you know, and we also prepare by reading and studying God's word daily. Second Timothy 2.15, right? Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, dividing the word of truth. Preparation. Be ready. And then, number four, above all, taking the shield of faith. Verse 16, Ephesians 6.16. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. So this shield is a shield that will protect the whole body. Right? It can be moved around. So now... What is faith? If you go to Hebrews 11 verse 1, you will see the definition, the biblical definition of faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Alright, so... Notice substance. There is something to faith. It has substance. That hope that you see there, that is not a shallow hope. It's not a trivial hope. Hope is knowing. Hope is knowing that God is still on the throne. Hope is knowing that God hears and answers our prayers. 
hope is knowing that one day Jesus Christ is going to come into those clouds and is going to call his church home by name. You know, hope is is not, you know, going to the Lord in prayer, you know, and, and then uh, asking the Lord for something, you know, and, and then you say, well, I hope the Lord heard me. I hope the Lord answers my prayer. That's not hope. That's doubt. So, why? Why does the Bible say above all, taking the shield of faith or take the shield of faith if you go to Hebrews 11 verse 6 you will see Hebrews 11 verse 6 but without faith it is impossible to please him meaning God for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So without faith it's impossible to please God. How do we get faith? Romans 10 17. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And then number five. Helmet of salvation. Ephesians six seventeen. Ephesians six seventeen. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Okay, so a helmet protects your brain your mind and we always need to remember that the battle is for your mind God wants your mind the devil wants your mind so each and every morning we need to pray and ask the Lord to renew our minds daily. Amen. Look at Romans chapter 12. 
verses 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So make sure that you have the helmet of salvation. And then number six. Sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Let's go back, Ephesians six. Verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This sword is like no other sword. It is alive. It's quick. It's more powerful than any two-edged sword. This sword can cut to a person's heart. It knows the intentions and thoughts of men. And, and you know, this is why a lot of folks do not like the King James Bible. It knows all about them. You know, and when you read and study the King James Bible, it's like looking at yourself in a mirror. Look, look at Hebrews 4, verse 12. Hebrews 4, verse 12. For the word of God is quick. Quick means alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. And of the joints and marrow as the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Read and study God's Word. 2 Timothy 2.15 is not a suggestion. It's a commandment from God. And a lot of the perversions of God's Word, if not all of them, remove the word study. 
A lot of people like to follow the perversions, so it's no wonder that there's a lot of people that are ignorant of God's word. And the word of God, the sword of the spirit, it is our only offensive weapon that we have. Okay? So read and study it. How are you going to know what God says if you don't read and study God's word? How are you going to know what God expects from you if you don't read and study God's word? Amen? So now, number seven. Number seven is praying always. Now, looky here. The whole armor of God. Seven. In the Bible, number seven equals perfection or completion. How about that? Praise God. So, I mentioned at the very beginning about uh, once a person is saved it does not mean that they will not struggle with sin it does not mean that they will not sin you know but yet there are folks that they will say you know a, a person will will profess you know that you know that they're saved and you know they put their faith and trust in Christ and his death burial and resurrection all right but you know they they aren't doing anything for the Lord they're not doing any good works all right uh, and um, you know they they commit a sin whatnot you know there there are folks that say well they're not saved there's no way You know they they don't they don't go to church, all right. Um, they they don't do good works for the Lord, so they they can't be saved. But that's not the case. We are saved by grace. Through faith. Good works is not an, not always an indication of salvation. And those that say, you know, if a person's not doing good works, a person is sinning, uh, so they're not saved. Right? Those that they, they say that the person is like that because 
they have not made Christ the Lord of their life. That's called Lordship Salvation. But once a person is saved, Jesus Christ automatically becomes their Lord. They don't make Christ their Lord. Whether they acknowledge him or not, that's up to them. Dr. Peter S. Ruckman uh, said one time, I read this somewhere, um, said, when Jesus Christ saved you and gave you a new birth, you know what he did? He took a civilized man and put him in a cage with a gorilla. And you are the gorilla. That gorilla goes on and scratches himself and picks fleas off himself and eats bananas and has a pretty good time. Until a civilized man gets in there in the cage with him. Then that gorilla starts getting irritated and begins to growl and begins to threaten and begins to start... Uh, to fight and he is no longer happy he is no longer at rest when the Lord saved you he ruined your life how about that so never forget I'll say this and I will be done but never forget that if you are saved, Christ dwells in you. He goes everywhere you go. He knows about everything that you go through. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And we'll read verses 19 and 20. What? Know ye not? That your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. In verse 20, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Amen. Alright, so that is... Christ in you. Thank you so very much for being with us today. Thank you for your prayers for us, our families, our ministries. Until next time.